So sometimes you say a win is a win, and sometimes you actually feel good about the win. And I think Florida State should feel somewhere in between. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a fair way of looking at it. The scoreboard makes it say, you know, 18 points, that's good. Far better than the spread Vegas gave you. First quarter looked great. Ending was pretty good. In between, eh, not so much. So after our last podcast, and this is the Knowles 24-7 podcast, you're hearing the voice of Brendan Sinone, a little nasally, sorry, deal with it. Chris Knee, a little bit more baratness and, and manly. I try. But we're here for the podcast, and we're uh, hopefully not going to lead you to, to, to drink like we did after the, the last one. So a little bit more optimistic as Florida State beats Northern Illinois. Uh, was it 37-19? And, uh, you know, some good, some bad. Uh, a little bit of reason for optimism, though, and I think that's going to be the the guide of our podcast, the direction where to go is, is you saw some positive things, you saw some bad habits reverted to. Uh, this is clearly still very much a work in progress, but uh, the common thread, I think, is that, that there's something to build on and to work with moving forward. Yeah, you come out, tw- first 21 offensive plays, go for 145 yards and two touchdowns. You start well, something that FSU football really hasn't done for a couple years. They came out and did. I know it's NIU, we're going to grade on skill, but NIU is a capable defense. And FSU came out and showed that they could move the ball. They were effective. They blocked it up fairly well. They ran forward. The passing game was working, and that prevailed for the whole game. Very good through the year. They were adamant about trying to rush the ball, 57 attempts. The results were 121 yards. It's kind of a mixed bag there. I think there was a point trying to be made that we're going to be a running team. We're going to attempt to line up and go. The problem there is that you got to go north-south when you can't block it up real well, and there's a little bit too much dancing at times that causes plays to go for loss. That damages the overall numbers and kind of holds you down. That total of 121, you know, it's damaged by a 20-yard bad snap. That right there takes away 20. And then there's probably another 20 to 25 yards that are, you know, guys deciding to try to stretch a play or do more than they can do within the play taking a five-yard loss instead of going forward and taking a one-yard gain or half-yard gain or at least getting back to the line of scrimmage. So there's some of that going on with the running game. That hurts the numbers. I'm still, all that being said, it's not an explosive part of the offense yet. Mm-hmm. No, So, yeah, good and bad, and I think that's that's what we're going to focus on here. So let's start with the good. And you mentioned that you know, 14 points on the first two drives. This is traditionally uh, – when was the last time we've seen two – good fast drives like that at this program not under willie taggart but just just back to back yeah 2016 17 yeah it's been a good while not 17 i'm sorry 16 16 yeah 2016 probably when when they had dalvin cook and someone who could game break even that team struggled with starting slowly i think if you're florida state and for the offense has been just frankly inept uh, you go against Northern Illinois. You alluded to this earlier, Chris. It's a decent defense, uh, grading on a curve because it is a, a group of five defense. But you know, the S and P Plus had them as a top fifteen defense nationally. Uh, Far better than someone like Syracuse. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. For an offense that only scored seven points and just looked completely lost against Syracuse two weeks ago, that's moving in the right direction. I'm not here to pump sunshine and tell you that that. The offense looked good because it, it, it did, and there's still far too many issues. They revert back to bad habits way too often when things go poorly. Five fumbles, three loss, an interception thrown. Easily could have been two to three interceptions. Yep. There's one that's plainly dropped on the opening drive. How different is that game if that ball is intercepted on the first drive? Yeah, everything that we're talking about. And so that, I guess, is my point. Oh, God, this was supposed to be the positive set. No, it is positive, but for every better – it's the good old saying, two steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. In this case, it may be one step forward, two steps back sometimes Mm -hmm. you know but for every good thing that happened that game there's a lot of things you can look at that are still the ghosts in the closet the penalties eight in the second half nine for the game 
the interception that was thrown. Simply didn't see the linebacker, it looks like, on video. He's trying to go, I believe it's Trey McKitty who's streaking down the middle of the field. He doesn't see the guy underneath. He mm-hmm. throws a fastball, fastball directly to the linebacker. Earlier in the game, he throws an ball that should have been intercepted. And there's another deflection later in the game that could have also been intercepted. So we're talking about three balls that were thrown that easily could have been intercepted. Completely changed his game. If you're giving the other team, you know, in this case, four other opportunities, but potentially seven to ten, you know, with five fumbles, potentially three interception type throws, you're going to lose games when you give teams that many at bats and that many opportunities. And that's the, that's the issue. Is the scoreboard looks good, 37-19. That's a positive. The offense played better. That's a positive. But there's plenty of negative. Yeah. To put it in perspective, though, how often are you going to lose a turnover difference by you know, by negative four and still win by nearly twenty points? So imagine if they won in that stat category. Yeah, I mean if they don't give NIU short fields, NIU scores one touchdown probably. Mm-hmm. NIU's offense was not very capable. They hit a sixty-six yard play, two twenty-yard plays, and outside of that, average about I don't know what it would be, but it was god awful. They averaged about yeah. hundred yards for the rest of their plays. Six rushing their total yards total. Hundred yards for for them on the ground. So um, their offense was not capable of lining up and making a drive come to life and working down the field. They weren't going to do that. But it, you gifted them points, and if you do that to good teams, they're going to slaughter your ass. Okay, so so positively, uh, again, I just wanted to qualify that we're not blowing smoke up your butt here. Like, this is still very much so a work in progress. I, I didn't want to do a think piece of those two. I learned my lesson writing after Samford with that last drive, saying, oh, there's something to build on yeah. here. And, uh, then they uh, go to you, Syracuse yeah, and you're not, do nothing. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool yeah. me twice. So. I will say what you liked about the offense. Uh, one, I'll start off with the offensive line because that's been the the, the bugaboo of this whole team is, is you can't block it up. They did uh, in that first series. Now they reverted um, or they went back to the basics in terms of you know, they put in an extra inline blocker sometimes, whether it was McKitty or it brought in Gabe Neighbors to have two more blocking types to help them out, help chip. Uh, but the line got good surge. It blocked and sealed guys off those first two drives. The running backs did a nice job of getting north-south. Uh, it was a, Early on. Early on. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about just these first two drafts of things that you can like and and actually say, okay, there's something positive here. This is If the offense is going to work, this is what it has to look like. Uh, all those things happened. And then DeAndre Francois got rid of the ball quickly. Uh, he had a clean pocket to throw from, which helps, but he got rid of the ball quickly. Uh, they did a little bit of the misdirection stuff, the jet sweep, the Treshawn Harrison. That's someone who needs to play more. So you see what the offense can look like when it's what's going cleanly, um, and that's all really positive. Uh, the issue is when when it doesn't work, uh, those guys all reverted back to bad habits very quickly. The pass protection started falling apart in the second half. Running backs went way too much east-west rather than north-south, primarily Cam Akers. I thought he was was not great in that area. Uh, drop passes, uh, fumbles. You have Trey McKitty as well as he. He was great blocking in that game. Awesome, awesome blocking. Uh, has two drops and then the fumble too. Um, it just it, this team still doesn't know how to win. Now Willie Taggart addressed that. He said they thought he thought they moved in a good direction with, with that. But this is still a team that very much so doesn't know how to either sustain something good or when it spirals uh, starts panicking. Uh, that to me was clear. There incapable at this point of putting together a complete game. Yeah. And that's not just true for the offense. Defense falls in that boat, too. The defense played very well, but they need to get more things done in the backfield. They are getting pressure. They pinched that pocket a lot in that game, Mm -hmm. but they need to put the guy on his backside more often and influence the play more often with that. 
And there were opportunities for an IU to throw down the field that they didn't. There was a fourth down that the guy skips the ball. There's a couple other instances where he has an open receiver and he's just off the mark. They were capable of doing more in the passing game because they had time to do stuff in the passing game. And, you know, you can't allow a 66-yard play. It's a breakdown in communication and coverage. It looked like camps had got too deep towards the line of scrimmage, wasn't deep enough in coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stanford wasn't there in time to save him. And I believe Woodby is a guy that, you know, the receiver went by, but Woodby's playing the underneath. He's expecting to have over the top help. Yeah, it was the, the based on the reaction on the sideline, it was uh, the coaches went over to Hamza. Yeah. And if you watch that play, he's up at the line of scrimmage yeah. before, and then he peels back. And if he's supposed to have any sort of deep responsibilities, there's just no physically way he can get back that far. Yeah. Even though he's a great athlete and can take up a lot of space, just where he was lined up before the play. Um, and all in all, I think Camps is playing really good ball. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. bringing a lot to that defense. But there's Especially instances where he gets himself a little bit in the linebacker slot and puts himself in bad situations against a passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sometimes you can live with that, but when it's a 66-yard gain against a team that's incapable of moving the ball, you don't want to live with that. That That's what causes people to call you a middling defense, <laughs> as game day did. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just the thing. It's like this team, there's flashes, there's glimpses. They were very consistent early in the game where they were good. And then they very much struggled for about a two-quarter stretch. You know, there were some bad snaps, including the 20-yard loss on the snap. That snapping almost in the second took, half was atrocious. Yeah, third quarter uh, was very bad. There were quite a few high snaps. High. Yeah. And if you're running the read option, which FSU doesn't do very well, but they attempt to do, you can't have high snaps. It throws everything off. It's all about time and quickness off. and getting things yeah. done in that first second. If you're having to jump up to catch the ball and come down, you're killing your clock. Yeah, the quarterback's yourself. already struggling with the reading yeah. reading the ends, and all of a sudden he's taking his eyes off the ends or the linebacker, whoever the read is, to, to not fumble the ball. Like, that's Players have to make a decision, what do I have to do to help this team be as good as they can be? Mm-hmm. You see that with some guys. You saw energy on the defense. You saw some big hits. Asante Samuel kind of set the tone with that. There are other guys that deliver them. I believe Stanford Samuels had a pretty nice one along the sideline. You kind of see that energy get infectious. There's good signs. There was a fourth down stop where FSU got the stop. It was the defense that created the stop, not the quarterback skipping the ball one, but the other one. Mm-hmm. And you see the defense, you know, excited. They're happy with themselves. There's mm-hmm. some, you know, in the huddle cheering. Those are good signs. That's a team that doesn't look like a team that lost 30-7 to yeah. in the carrier dome. But then you have your other moments where you're snapping the ball 20 feet over a guy's head or, you know, you're running east-west trying to pop everything outside instead of taking the two yards that are there for you to take. There, there's too much of that, and then the penalties, the turnovers. Those are the kind of things that don't allow me as a viewer of it to buy in that, oh, they're turning some kind of corner or it's getting better. Mm-hmm. It is getting better can't get any worse it is getting better but yeah let's pump the brakes and see do they do it two weeks in a row Mm -hmm. they're going to face a louisville team that's you know playing horrendous football right now themselves so can they go to louisville and play a good game put together a good product come out with a w you do that you start building a little momentum for yourself as a program and this program has severely lacked any kind of momentum for a two-year stretch yeah then all of a sudden this louisville game becomes a pretty big one for that momentum because you head into the bye week with Miami on the other side of it. Um, you go in with, with two wins, um, start feeling a little bit better about yourself. After the game, you and I were trying to think about what to write, and we knew other people were going to start talking about those first two drives, and, hey, that's something. And, and, and it, I don't want to dismiss it because it it's better than the alternative. Yeah, it matters, but... Uh, but the fact that like they wanted to 
establish the run. And Willie made that, you know, he, that was the emphasis. And, and I liked that they did a lot of wedge blocking, and they just kind of went and said, we're just going to try to push the pile, get two or three yards, and, and maybe get a little bit more than that. And, and the three yard in the cloud of dust uh, mindset was, was very evident. Uh, the fact that it didn't turn into anything more than that and kind of deteriorated as the game went on instead of got better, yeah. uh, to, to me, was alarming. Uh, that was, again, uh, reverting back to to bad habits that I keep talking about because that's something that the staff is trying to to change. And, and yeah, you, you make those little strides, and then all of a sudden just gets pulled backwards. And, and that is extremely frustrating as someone watching the game. It's frustrating for the fans, frustrating for the coaches. Uh, and that's... I guess after the game, you and I were kind of trying to think about what to write, and I was just like, man, it, it not. I don't want to put too much on those first two drives because of all the ensuing drives afterwards. To me, that, I, that kind of that that put a negative emphasis on the game. When that game ended, I tried to view it in the spectrum of we're a third of the way through the season. It's four games in the book. What are they doing well? What are they doing poorly? What do they look better at doing today than they did, you know, yesterday and the day before? And with the running game through a four-game stretch, they're not good at it. And that that's kind of how I viewed it at the end of the game. This game was, to me, some form of a statement of we're going to line up and try to run it. You don't hand it off 57 times, and it's not that. And outside of, you know, 16-yard run and an 11-yard run, they had nothing over 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And they had two great runs, and they probably had about a half a dozen really poor runs where – they didn't do anything right, and they caused themselves to lose a good amount of yards on those half dozen runs, and like that doesn't balance out to me. You need more good than you have bad, when you have a whole lot in the middle that's you know fairly mediocre taking what's there. Yeah, it, so to me that that whole that lack of production and something that you wanted to force the issue on because, because Willie wants that to be the identity of his team. It's been the identity of any single positive team, any winning team that he's fielded. That's been its bread and butter. Go back to Oregon last year. Go back to the last two years at USF. Even his time at Western Kentucky, that's what he wanted to do, regardless of scheme. He wanted to be able to run the football. Uh, that left a bad taste in my mouth, uh, That the fact that they couldn't. Now, now listening, like today we were listening to him in his interview with Jeff Cameron, he kind of said that was forcing it was almost part of the first step to show, okay, we're going to do this. I'm not going to protect you guys. You're going to keep running the football, and we're going to figure out how to make it work. Well, it was, uh, to an extent, it's almost like beating your head against the wall. Or what um, Jimbo did at USF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you remember that, that game was a, we're going to line up and we're going to run the 16, ball. We're yeah. going to do it a bunch, and I don't care. We're going to keep doing it, we're going to keep doing it. And, you know, But they found a good amount of success in that game doing mm-hmm. it. That was the difference to me in this game was that the success wasn't all that great. Now, some of that is the system was built for the quarterback to be effective at doing it. And it's still, you know, DeAndre leaves a lot to be desired from a read option standpoint of taking it and going. He had a few good runs, decent runs, but there were opportunities there for him to take, you know, the defense was giving him a good amount of grass to go run to, and he didn't do it. And I, and I so much so in the second half especially, because I thought he, he did a better job running some of the, the RPO stuff and read option stuff in the first half, especially those first two drives, but... Part of me almost wonders if, if he was directed to just give the ball to the running back. So that was part of wanting to set the tone because there were some reads that were so clear. He wasn't even watching the end, though. Uh, at least it didn't look like from from our vantage point. He was just handing the ball off inside. So I wonder if that was part of it. But r- regardless, that's something that Willie wants to do. Uh, it, it was, I guess, good that they were able to run it that many times and still win. You know what I mean? Like that they were their hand wasn't forced play-calling-wise. The defense did enough. Uh, to give him some some comfortability there, but still uh, not enough production at all, especially 
Again, anybody who has a good group defense for group of five, it's going to probably be a pretty good one by the end of the year with the MAC competition. You need to be able to, to beat someone up sometimes, and yeah. it's still not it's still not there. It doesn't exist. There were positives on offense, so Patrick ran it the way it's supposed to be run. Razul was Other good. Other than the fumble. Yeah. yeah. Razul was good in his limited opportunities late Got in the game. Got north-south, yep. Um, Keith Gavin, two good games in a row. Mm-hmm. That's a great sign. Put the I mean, ball that's the something that Keith's never been able to do is some form of consistency. Mm-hmm. The 39-yard catch is probably DeAndre, one of the better balls we've ever seen him throw. I believe it was 39 yards. The one down the sideline that he put in the bread so basket. So the home side was perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. a great throw. Um, Treshawn Harrison's fun as hell to watch. You know, if we never run another jet sweep with Nyquan Murray and it's just Treshawn Harrison, I'm good with that. I hate when they, <laughs> I hate when they run. The, the, it doesn't work. The Nooney jet sweep has been uh, a colossal failure just about every yeah. single time they've run it because he starts turning five yards backwards every, yeah. every single play, uh, and he's not quite athletic enough to to get past it. Yeah, I, I Chris was watching me rewatch the game here before we started doing the podcast, and I was getting visibly like like frustrated. My body was tensing up every time I saw Nooney <laughs> go on a sweep. Just didn't go in motion, just afraid they were going to give it to him. Other good things, Trey McKitty blocked it up very well. Yep. Trey, Trey's effort level through four games is outstanding. He's been the most consistent piece of that offense yeah. and to he, me. He, and he didn't have a good game receiving-wise. He had the fumble, but the effort was yeah. there blocking. Uh, He's he, getting himself in position to make big plays in the passing game. Yeah. It's been a mixed bag on making those plays happen. But he's doing what needs to be done do it, well, and, and which is a good sign. Francois didn't help him out twice. Won the interception. He yeah. could have lofted over the middle. You talked about that earlier. But even the first on the first drive when it was almost interception and now he drops it, you know, Frenchie uh, throws it downfield. He could have just waited a millisecond and McKitty was peeling off when he went to go block and then he was freeing up. He had tons of room. Would have been 20, 30-yard gain easily and a really easy pass to make too. Uh, so he was close to having a really, really nice game in both areas. Instead, you know, it's just just as the as the blocker. But yeah, his he's been. If you're looking for building blocks, I think he's almost like the the baseline of someone who gives good effort, who gets what's going on in this offense. If you're looking for where it's going to move to in a few, you know, in a couple years, any any positive traction that's made. He's going to be a big part of that. Uh, Tamari and Terry, obviously, got to yeah, get that guy the football. I'm entirely comfortable with force feeding him at this point. I am too. I mean, he until just... he until he shows you that he's not going to win the 50-50 balls, yeah. and it becomes you know, uh, not a well seven seven catches this year, eight, eight, catches, eight catches, three touchdowns, three touchdowns. and yeah. I think it's 177 yards. So he's getting nice big chunks every time out. See, I told you we talk about positive things, guys. Yeah. There, there were positive, and the L line. The effort was far better with the line. The yeah. willingness to try to be physical was far better. Arthur Williams, when he came in later, was very good, especially in run blocking as a lead blocker. He was awesome, awesome polling. Brady really Scott played a really good game that was highly blemished by the strip sack he allowed where Sutton Smith just whooped him off the line. So that's an um, example of that play there. With but the, overall for playing, what, he played 89 snaps, I think, yeah, offensively. He, well. he played pretty well for, like, 75 of them. And, and he played decent for a half dozen. Then he had a few that weren't so great. Comparatively to what we've seen at tackle positions, I'll take it. And a lot of the bigger runs that they did have, or more effective runs, came on the right side. That was that was him, and they helped him out by putting, you know, Gabe Neighbors and Trey McKitty there. But that that's fine. That you're living with that because you're trying to develop something to get by. Because the offensive line isn't changing. The deficiencies that you have there, uh, even if Dickerson and, and Kelly come back, like those are still apparently deficiencies at this point. Is it time to shut Jawan Williams down yes. completely? Yeah. He comes out and has his pre-snap penalty on his first snap he of the was, game. Before the snap, he has a penalty. He was having pre-snap penalties. In pregame? In pregame. I was yeah. watching them warm up, and he was jumping. When they were just he doing, just, he's done. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, 
that's been one of the bigger disappointments. Um, my concern with him entering the year is whether he was going to stay healthy or not. That was the big concern with, with the shoulder. Um, the bigger issue has been between the ears at this point. He just, yeah, he seems I don't like think the shoulders helped, though, because I think his physicality lacks to a degree because his inability to do what he needed to sure. do in the offseason the last two years. Yeah, his, his, his progress, his development has been stunted, clearly. Um, yeah. So that's been that was a guy that you needed to be good. Uh, he hasn't been. Mike Arnold was a guy that – Either it was that guard or tackle to be good, and he's been swimming, and he hasn't really absorbed the offense. I think he got benched at one point, and they put in. He did get benched, in fact. I think that's in, what led to Arthur. Arthur Williams, Williams got in, in at left guard, and Cole Minshew moved to right guard. Yeah. Um, so the offensive line, it, it is what it is, um, but you got to find ways to help it out. I do think that's encouraging that they found ways to to help it out a little bit. Um, I was going to say with the the Brady Scott, you know, strip sack that that's on him. Um, at the same time, that was. A perfect example of how you know these issues can compound. If I'm not mistaken, on first down on that series, uh, they Cam Akers tries to bounce a play offside. It's to run play inside. He tries to bounce it outside. It's a loss of five yards. Yeah. So now instead of being second and nine or second and ten even, and just you're just trying to get back on track, it's now second and fifteen. Your play calling becomes predictable. They run a play action, uh, which for them is basically trying to keep an extra blocker back with the running back and maybe a tight end. McKitty stays back, then he peels, but. You have five guys blocking four, and you allow a sack, but Sutton Smith can pin his ears back and get there. Sutton Smith on Brady Scott, you know, that, that's going to happen. So playing, I, I don't completely blame the tackle for that. Yeah. That's that's Playing behind the chains is death for this offense. Yeah, so that's when you're talking about all these negative things kind of compound and, and lead into each other. Um, Special teams. Welcome back, Ricky Aguayo. That was great. 42 yards, 42 yards, and 50 yards. Yep. I love seeing the reaction. I, I want to get into this in a little bit, but but the chemistry on this team. Um, the fact that this team still cares. You mentioned this with the defense, the way they respond. Um, James Blackman's plays, a dude James on the sideline. He's awesome to watch after Willie, touchdowns. Willie still has his team, and I think that's so important, and that's going to be the biggest part. But we'll get into that. Uh, so, yeah, Ricky Guayo makes it 50-yarder before half. Logan Tyler struggles, just did not look comfortable, but he did make the biggest punt he needed to at the end of the game. He looked aggravated with himself, not like in the, oh, I'm messing up kind of, but like – it didn't look like he went out there and swung the leg and came down and felt good about Especially what he just did. when the golfer did. has yips. Yeah, and, and it wasn't he. His production wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was just like he looked aggravated and uncomfortable with himself. Uh, uh, Willie had mentioned last week, I think it was, about getting rid of the ball or punting it a little bit quicker, and I wonder if that was him trying to speed things up and not being super comfortable with it. Because up to this point, it was a disaster, and and mm-hmm. not all of it on Logan. What? Kickers and punters live in their head. I oh, mean, it's, they're yeah. like left-handed pitchers. It's what they do. I so mean, I'm the kicker. It's always funny watching them trying to be psychologists with them. But yeah. you know, like with Logan, he just didn't look like a normal self from the reaction standpoint of when it came off his foot. I, I love interviewing kickers and punters because they are so thoughtful about it. But it's like, it, as I also feel bad, like I feel like I'm prodding them and poking yeah. them when you're asking these questions because it is so mental and it's such a fine line that they. That they try to – it's It's like a golfer. Yeah, and it's very exactly. Much so. Ricky talking about the swing, you know, is he talking about a golf swing or his leg mm-hmm. swing? Obviously his leg swing, but he's sitting there. It just sounds like something you would hear on a PGA press conference. Um, punt return game, I mean – Quit he, holding, he, Mr. Dead. Sauce <laughs> magic all over the place. Yeah. Sloppy sauce. There, there was one instance where he simply was over-aggressive. The other one was just sort of stupid. It was – I don't think it truly impacted the potential return. The other one, he, he – tried to open the lane for DJ to work through. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock off being over-aggressive. Just can't keep doing it. 
you know, they, at some point allow a return to actually exist. If this team ever stops freaking holding, DJ Matthews may do some special yeah, things. Have a return. <laughs> they have good numbers there. Uh, so the special teams, again, grading on the curve, better than it had been. Still issues to clean up, though, I think, um, but, but certainly better. Really good to see Ricky Aguayo come out and do that. You know, I felt bad for him because he, he was good last year. He's 18 to 21. Um, just was part of what's a really bad tone. Center with Virginia Tech. Uh, and I, I think Ricky's a good example of what we've learned about Willie through adversity, through a few games. Is he's going to stick with guys. He's mm-hmm. not abandoning ship. He's going to, you know, when he's talking about him, he's going to stick with him. He's going to be vocal. Obviously, expect him to do better, but. You know, he's kind of ride or die. I think he's been that with Francois, obviously. You know, he's protected him at every turn. We see that with Ricky. I think, you know, if you asked him about Cam Akers today and him not running real well, I think he would be the same way with him with that. There's Everyone but the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, the but the offensive line. line earned that. I mean, Syracuse was such an abysmal performance. that You can't sit there and protect those guys. At some point, you have to verbally challenge them on the grand stage and not solely in practice. Yeah, I'm fine But at the him. same time, he was there with them in practice every day, working alongside them, talking to them. And it wasn't a, you guys are awful, you stink, yada, yada. It was, let's get better. All right, let's, let's hold off because I want to get into the macro, but we want to get into defense first, right? And then yeah. we'll get to that. So let's, you, I can see you flipped over to your defensive chart. So defense, uh, good. Uh, in some areas, great. That's kind of what this defense has been this year. It's done some things really, really well. Stop the run. It's been good at that all season yep. and was particularly excellent uh, without DeMarcus Christmas. Yeah, Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, hats off to you guys. Fred yep. Jones brought his normal consistent effort. He was very good, and Robert Cooper did his job when he was put out there. Cooper can give you some good snaps, yeah. So the fact that you're now five deep at that position, um, that was never a position that was supposed to be a problem. There's a couple plays every single game, man, where Marvin Wilson just makes my mouth drop, like, like my jaw drop. Like he... The, the things he does at 310, 320 pounds, he's so freakishly athletic. Even if he doesn't make the play, his ability to turn and run, blended with his effort, uh, as he continues to get back in, in football shape with the knee injury, like once he's ready to be a guy who – and he was. I don't know how many snaps he had. He had to be at least 30, 40 snaps. But he's going to be a dominant defensive tackle, I think, by the time it's all said and done. Again, going back to building blocks and positives that you can build on, he's – He's a baseline for what this defense needs to be. Um, yeah. And so he was really good. Uh, they finished with four sacks, but a lot of fans I know weren't happy with the pass rush. Kind of a they, weird deal, but let's yeah. talk about that. You regularly saw the defensive ends running by the quarterback, especially Brian Burns, because Burns did a very good job getting off the line and being aggressive and getting there, but you see him swinging by, flying by, and not getting his hands on him. So you wonder, is he's taught to do this? Rewatching the game a couple times, I feel like they were trying to pinch with their DNs. Keep the quarterback in the pocket, make him step up in the pocket, make him make quick throws. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was sort of the defensive approach. Now, I'd love to ask Mark Snyder that. We'll get a chance to ask Barnett that. We could even ask Willie that today. But, yeah. you know, that's a question that's more Barnett or Snyder-oriented question. Mm-hmm. I Watching the game, that's kind of why I took away. Now, does Burns' stats reflect his play? No. I think he's been a much better player than his stats would say. But I understand it's a stats-oriented game at some point. You want to see him putting guys on the ground, yeah. get them in the dirt, creating strip sacks, things like that. I fully understand. So what am I trying to say? I don't think Burns has been bad. I actually think he's been pretty good, mm-hmm. but I understand where there is a step up from what he's doing. And re-watching the game compared to the first time in real life, watching it in real time, you know, I came away thinking he did what he was being asked to do much more in re-watching it than I was on Saturday, where I'm like, man, he's not getting home. He's not getting home. No, it was a lot of we're going to be brute force in the middle, speed around the edge, give them inside lanes if they want to take them, or make them make quick passes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I I saw that. Watching four quarters of the defense play, I saw a lot of that. 
the bad plays that happened. 66-yarder was, you know, just a miscommunication in the middle of the field. Hamps is downstairs a little bit too much. They shoot the lane. They run for it. The 20-yarder on Levante. Levante bites on the inside. He, he goes outside. He gets beat. He doesn't have over-the-top help. That's a one-on-one play. He doesn't make it. And then they had one other 20-yarder. Those are really the only three plays NIU found any effectiveness against the defense. The issue is you can't allow for two of those plays to create points, mm-hmm. you know, because other teams are going to have their opportunities. And there were opportunities there for NIU that they didn't hit on, too. Yeah. Well, if we're going to be, you know, to be fair, if we're going to talk about how good NIU's defense is, then we have to talk about how abysmal the offense is. And granted, they've played against good Power 5 defenses like Iowa and uh, and Utah, uh, but it's one of the worst, statistically one of the worst offenses in, in the country. And, and so for FSU to give up, you know, they allowed three plays of 20-plus yards. NIU had, had completed three of 20-plus yards in his three previous games. So, you know, again, this, this, you know, to me, you were talking about Brian Burns earlier, Kristen, and I was thinking, like, he's almost like, I feel like the embodiment of this defense right now, where he just leaves you wanting more. It's like a, it's like when you have to sneeze and then you hold it in and you don't end up sneezing and there's some relief, but you actually wanted to, to end up sneezing. It, just, it feels very unsatisfying, I guess, watching this defense because you see the glimpses of what it can be. You see guys flying around. <laughs> I'm unsatisfied by that. But my analogy, yes. whatever. <laughs> I, love no, good, I, I love a good sneeze. And I only learned how to sneeze like a, like a year ago. You're supposed to let it out. I try to hold it in. I'm never. of the opinion Burns is playing good ball, but I understand the clamoring for more. Especially because he's putting him in, himself in position. But, but that's the more. whole defense, I guess, is my point. Is, yeah. is not enough havoc is being created right now. Levante is a guy who's struggling. He's on a struggle bus right now and needs to play better ball. He's going to get picked on. He knows it. He's competitive. He's just not doing great right now. I'm not worried about LT. He's very much a self-evaluator. You know, Stanford's playing fairly well. Hampson's playing really good ball once in a while. He gets himself a little too deep, gets in trouble, things happen. Dontavious Jackson, even though he didn't start, which was a little weird. Leonard Warner got to start. DJack played a lot. Let him in tackles, played well. He's been consistently good now over multiple games this year. Marvin Wilson, love what he's bringing. Corey Darden, love what he's bringing. J-Rob playing pretty good on the edge. You know, there's a lot of guys on that D that you can heap a little bit of praise on Sunday Samuel. Yo, yeah, when he gets his at bats, I love him. He's mm-hmm. a pit bull. The hit he put on was awesome. It kind of set a tone, got guys going, got them juiced up. That's awesome. You want that. The collective, they need to, one, they need to get in the bag. They need to get turnovers, do those things. They got to be better at that than what they've been. Mm-hmm. You got to continue going with that. You know, it's a matter of they're good. I think they're capable of being better than they are. I think they understand that. I think they'll get there. I'm far less concerned with defense as I am with offense. Yeah, I am too. Obviously, the defense is, is performing better in every statistical category. Uh, I just want to see them take that next step as well, and that, to me, is is becoming more impactful, uh, making bigger plays, letting that sneeze out. So <laughs> <laughs> You're a weird cat sometimes. So big picture. Yeah. Where is FSU football one third of the way through the season? So that was the other thing after the game that as we were writing our stories and stuff, to me it was like, okay, I, I think it's important that that even though I don't want to put too much on that on those first two drives, that they came out with energy. Uh, that the defense came out with energy. It forced I think three consecutive three and outs. Um that this is a team that still cares. And then we go back to that Ricky Aguayo uh, field goal that he made, the way people celebrated with him. Chris, you mentioned Dontavious Jackson not starting, but he's on the sideline barking and yelling, and they're having to pull him back. Uh, strength coaches are having to pull him back from getting on the field because he's so intense. James Blackman being the perpetual great teammate, running to celebrate with guys. This is still a team that, that cares about the Zonfield product. Willie had said that he thought maybe they kind of lost that a little bit after the Virginia Tech game. Uh, kind of reverted back to some of the 
uh, pouting. I think that that plagued the team in, in recent years and, and kind of reverted back. The fact that this team still is able to respond after that Syracuse game positively to me, I think, is encouraging because we're not grading this team on wins and losses. At least I'm not as much as I am how they look, how they perform, what the body language is like. I think that's macro much more important where this team is moving forward. So through through four games, I, I think that's the biggest thing, that there's still energy, there's still caring. I understand it's still early in the season, but I think that that's meaningful to me. Yeah, for me, the thing I want to see going forward is not just consistency of being a better product and doing a better job and being a little less self-destructive. I want to see some of the guys who are of superstar capability live up to that. Mm-hmm. Brian Burns, a little bit more production. I, again, I feel like he's played pretty well, but a little bit more to show for it. Cam Akers, get out of this rut. Levante Taylor, self-evaluate, get back to the player you can be. Guys like that. You get a little bit more of that going with some of the new pieces that have emerged, played well. Some of the other guys that will emerge, like the Trayshawn Harrisons of the world. You got some pieces of work in a team that can be, you know, compete for bowl status. Yeah. That I think that's the point I'm at now. I'm not going to make some huge leap. They're still in contention for bowl status. It's a matter of being a better team, a better product going forward, putting something together where they can compete for five to seven wins. And, you know, if you all of a sudden you kind of strike gold and you get it going, maybe it becomes more than that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you don't revert back to the low point rock bottom, which was what you were when you were leaving the Carrier Dome. That's where I'm at. No huge leaps for me. I'm going to take it week by week, but – there's some positive signs. It's clear as day Willie's going to stick with his guys, and it's clear as day that there are some guys that are definitely going to stick with Willie. Mm-hmm. Those are very positive signs. But now it's a matter of a better product on the field, a better team, better competing for four quarters. Come out and do what you did in the first quarter, but sustain that for a half. Mm-hmm. Take it over to the second half. Quit having these stretches where things are just a struggle, mm-hmm. where you play behind the chains, you commit turnovers, you don't do things right. Get away from the bad habits. Kill the bad habits, and good things will happen. Because there's issues that can't be done away with, O-line issues, for yep. example. But there are issues, penalties, turnover, that are very much in our self-control. That's, those are things that you can't control, and that's that's pretty much the aim of the game at this point is, is stop the self-inflicted issues. And if you start doing that, it's amazing what, what else starts happening. Uh, and you saw that like with the defense. Uh, Sante Samuel has a big hit, and all of a sudden it's contagious, and yep. then Stanford Samuels does. And you're allowed to just play freely if you're not making those – if you're not thinking in your head all the time and, and just worrying about what's going to go wrong next. Players love to say football is football, but it's a very true statement. Just go play that game yep. and play it to the best of your ability and try to play with a clean sheet. And this team still doesn't do a good job of when something bad happens, building off of it. Yep. Uh, they Adversity still is still an obstacle. Yep. Um, but the fact that they're still trying and still in it and still going back to the lab and trying to work on things, I think, is is encouraging. So we'll, we'll, we'll end this podcast with a quick look at Louisville. We won't go too much of a breakdown, but you've already looked at them. And, and, and at least I'll let you talk X's and O's, Chris. But for me, like you go up to Louisville, you win. You go into that bye week with a little bit of juice, a little bit of good positive juice momentum. That would be key. It's it's incredible to think that two years ago in 2016, FSU goes to a Louisville team that's ready to break out and be great. And then, you know, you look at Louisville today, and they're truthfully quite awful. They're 2-2, two and 0-1 two, in the conference. They're coming off a hor- horrendous loss at UVA where they only scored three points, the fewest points of Petrino's coaching career, I believe, or at least in, like, some stretch of 189 games. They can't run the ball. The only person that can run the ball is Cunningham, one of the two quarterbacks that don't have a capable running back at this point. Their passing attack's not very good. A couple quick numbers rushing, 121.3 per game, passing 163 point game, 
uh, yards per game. That offensive output output is not poor. Petrino output. I mm-hmm. mean, it's incredible how poor they are on that side of ball. And defensively, they're not incredible. Like, that's not going to save today for them. They need to figure out something offensively. They've not been good in four games. They're lucky to be 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, this is a team that had issues and, with Lamar Jackson, and now those those issues are becoming more prevalent and exposed. I'm not a big believer in Bama breaks people, but Bama may have broken them mm-hmm. in the first game. They, they've they not been very good I've they, seen that happen they look better in a bad loss of Bama than they've looked in two wins and another loss yeah I mean you're talking about a quarterback completing 50 percent of his passes I mean, that's that's not great um, yeah pass was their main guy at quarterback they've gone away from him and went to Malik Cunningham Jawan pass mm-hmm. Puma pass is what they call him um and at this point they have two quarterbacks which means they have none the rushing attack, Cunningham's their main dude, but after that, it falls off a cliff. Uh, Day Williams is their second best rusher. I think he has like 78 yards or something. It, it's putrid. Their yeah. rushing attack is awful. Receiving Jalen Smith's a stud. Des Fitzpatrick stud. Seth Dawkins capable, but they don't currently have a guy that's effective at getting the ball to him, so it doesn't really matter. And again, their defense is you know good, but not great. They're arguably the best defensive players out Greenard. So yeah. It's tough times right now in Louisville. So FSU has an opportunity to go there and do something, and put it together, and you know get a little momentum going, play some good ball. But go do that. Let's not presume they're just going to do that because Louisville is playing poorly. Sometimes FSU can be the magic elixir of making another team looking much better than they are. Yeah, as we've seen so far, <coughs> Virginia Tech. Um, right. And, and it, my apologies, I uh, I misspoke earlier. FSU doesn't have a bye week after Louisville; it's after Miami. Yeah, they played a U, man. You forgot? No, I knew. I just thought that I didn't want to correct you. I know, 20, I, know, I know you have a a low self esteem, and I didn't want to bring it down further during the podcast. I was going to save it for me. afterwards, and no, let you know you may you just pro- want to edit it, so it would no. have this funny voiceover on those. So we could just hear you like come in and it would be like this different voice. Like when you're watching a movie with a lot of cursing on TBS, I wanted the podcast to be like that. But I, I didn't want to do it to you in real time because because you look like you're going to cry and I just I didn't want to put you in that. No, I think you should have corrected me. Your job is to protect me. Much like the last time we went up to Louisville and uh, I was thrown up I'm in I'm protecting car you like the FCO line, baby. I ain't um, protecting you a whole lot. You're hanging me out to dry. There's some effort, but there's not a ton all the time. You're the Brady Scott of my life. Guys, thanks for listening to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Hopefully it was a little bit more entertaining and upbeat than than last time because there's actually upbeat stuff to talk about. So uh, anyways, thanks for listening. This is Brendan Sinone. Uh, not knowing FSU schedule off the top of my head. Chris Nee hanging me out to dry. We'll talk to you guys next time.